Hi, this is Amy Beheimer, and you are listening to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health. Habit 3. Read your ingredient lists. Welcome to the Habit Hub for Autoimmune Health, a podcast to help you shift from managing autoimmune disease to creating autoimmune health using the power of everyday habits. I'm your host, Amy Beheimer, a coach and a doctor of pharmacy on a mission to create health and happiness with multiple sclerosis. Here, we focus on everyday lifestyle habits proven to help the mind and body heal from the cell up without sacrificing the true joys of life along the way. To create autoimmune health in the mind and body, you have to be great at one thing, the skill of mastering habits. That's why each episode includes everything you need to do just that. Evidence-based information and real-life inspiration from the experiences of my guests, my clients, and yours truly. All habit heroes brave enough to turn a desire for help into daily decisions to create it. Let's have some fun. Hi friends, welcome back to those of you who have been listening. I'm hoping it means you heard something that has inspired you to take action. And if this is your first time tuning in, I am so glad you're here. Today we're covering a habit in the food as medicine spoke of the habit hub. If it's your first time here, consider heading back to episode one for a more thorough explanation of the habit hub and its spokes and why it's going to help you create health. We start these episodes with the what. So what is today's habit? Today's habit is to read ingredient lists. Backing up a bit, what's on the food label? It includes two things, the nutrition facts panel, as well as the ingredient list. The nutrition facts panel comes down to quantity and quality, how much and of what is in the food on the package. It has information about serving size, calories, nutrient categories and subcategories, etc. So we today, though, are looking at the ingredient lists. A few basics. Ingredients are listed in order of the largest to smallest amount according to weight. Reading lists is particularly important if you have food allergies or sensitivities, since many packaged foods contain hidden sources of common allergens. So if you have an allergy, it's likely that you are already doing this. But even so, stick around because in a bit we're going to cover foods to be aware of and possibly avoid if reducing inflammation is anywhere on your to-do list. Reading ingredient lists is also important for those of us who are intentionally trying to exclude certain foods or certain grouping of foods for the purpose of fueling our bodies with the highest quality ingredients for health. So for me, I avoid gluten and I avoid dairy. And those are two actually that are required by law to be disclosed on the label. But there are other ingredients that I avoid that tend to show up everywhere. So we'll get to those in a minute. I also want to mention here that some people, and maybe even you, and I know I did in the past, may have thoughts about people who choose to avoid certain things without having a true allergy. So take my husband, for example. He has celiac disease. Nobody questions when he is reading ingredient lists very closely or asking servers at restaurants for very specific ingredients that are used when preparing his food. I personally don't have an allergy, but choose to avoid these things because of A, how it makes me feel, and B, what I know it does to my body. Whichever camp you are in, I want to encourage you to practice thinking and feeling confident thoughts and feelings in getting to choose what you allow into your body. No matter what others may say or think, 
there may be a time in your life, like I said, where you thought a certain way about quote unquote picky eaters. And maybe now you are one of those picky eaters and maybe what you avoid will even change in the future. And that's okay too. We get to change and we get to grow. So just something worth mentioning. We covered the what. So now let's talk about the why. Why do we want to be reading ingredient lists? The more we know, the more we notice. Ingredient lists tell us in black and white what we are putting into our bodies. The goal over time is we learn what we want to roll out the red carpet for, which ingredients we want to invite into our body, and which ingredients we want to deny entry. And instead of categorizing foods as black or white, yes or no, that can feel hard to do, especially when we're just getting started. I like to think of it in a couple different groups. We want to dial up the foods that are going to help us heal. So foods with a high amount of antioxidants, foods that really help fuel our gut health, foods that have a lot of diversity, micronutrients and macronutrients. And the second grouping are foods that we want to dial down because we know that they can cause harm. They affect our body's signaling and our regulation, and they just tend to inflame us and exhaust us. So everyone is unique. What is healthy for one person may not be healthy for another. And I like to also share that advice can be really brittle. You can find a lot of advice on the internet of what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating. But instead, if you learn how to read and understand any label that you encounter, that's worth it because you get to decide in the moment what is best for your body. So it's definitely a skill worth learning and a skill worth practicing. So if you're thinking, I'm not quite sure what I want to include or what I don't want to include, and you haven't determined with intention what is on your perfect plate or in your diet as a whole, I do want to share that I do have a workshop available and I'll include the link in the show notes. It's called Your Perfect Plate and it's a great place to start. It's a workshop where I teach you what the science says about foods that heal and foods that harm and everything in between. I walk you through the learning plus exercises to help you land on exactly what you want to include on your plate because the chances of hitting our target goes up if we know what we're aiming for. And you may want to come back to this episode and listen again after you determine what your goals are. And if it's not your perfect plate, I encourage you to find a source that you trust and start your experiment and also allow for the fact that it can and likely will change as you start to feel better, start to heal, and as you evolve and change. Going back to the why of our habit, we're going to cover first foods that don't even need a label, what we would consider whole or real foods. These are minimally processed and they exist very close to their natural state. These are often the biggest game changer I see for health. People experience improvements in their mind, body, and heart when they increase the amount of real foods that they're eating. And there are three powerful benefits to mention. One, you usually feel less hungry because you're actually feeding your body what it's asking for, a lot of nutrients, and high amount of nutrient density tends to blunt hunger. With that, your body starts to be able to trust itself to regulate quantity for you. And third, you're less tempted to eat trigger or blissy foods. And these are the foods that they can be different for everybody, but they're the foods that you know once you start, you have a hard time stopping. So for me, I would say that anything crunchy and salty, or I like to call it small crunchy things in bags, those are my trigger foods. Whole real foods are not designed in a laboratory to stimulate the dopamine releasing regions of the brain. 
They also don't drive up levels of inflammation in the body and they don't wreak havoc on the body's natural hunger and fullness signals. So in effect, they help work with your body and not against it. So when choosing between food with a label or food without a label, without always wins when it comes to health. But you and I, we live in the real world and most everyone needs labeled foods on their plates, in their kitchens, and in their diet. So setting ourselves to make the best possible choice will keep you moving in the direction of health. Each and every small choice adds up over time. I will be the first to say that I love experimenting with homemade sauces and homemade breads and some of these more complex recipes and things. Some people don't enjoy it. Some people don't have the time for it or don't want to choose to make the time for it. So that's kind of why we're here talking about the inevitable foods that will have an ingredient list and how we can choose the best ones. Something else to consider is the idea of and thinking instead of or thinking. So we sometimes think that we have to choose between two things when maybe both could exist. So let me give you an example. Considering how can I eat foods that are delicious and meets my nutrition aims. So we don't have to pick or for those two things. Maybe both can exist. Or how can I have convenience and fuel my health? We often block our own creativity and problem-solving abilities when we label things healthy or clean eating as too hard or too time-consuming. So using this and questioning can help our brains to problem-solve. The real trick is to find products that can do all of that, plus leave us feeling that we're not deprived of the foods that we love. People are always asking me, what is the best fill-in-the-blank option to buy? The fill-in-the-blank may be dairy-free, gluten-free, paleo, grain-free, or many others. Sometimes it's free from inflammatory oils, or sugar-free, or free from legumes. Whatever the nutrition aim is, the ability to navigate food labels, specifically the ingredient list, while often ignoring the emphasized health food claims on the front of the package is the first and most valuable step to learn. It may take some research and a little bit of work up front, but once it becomes a habit, you'll be checking those labels without even knowing it. Once you can do that with practice, the fun begins as you explore different options available for your healthiest way of eating. Okay, so now we are all on the same page that we accept that foods with labels will most likely be a part of our lives. So what's next? We read the ingredient list and we make intentional decisions about what we do with the information. So now what? I'm going to leave you with a couple places to get started. Back to the foods that we want to dial down. These are foods that our bodies don't need and our bodies are not very good at processing. They're often the hardest to move away from for us though, and that's by design, which we'll cover in a bit. But breaking free from these foods is a must if we're going to take our health back. And they're often called ultra-processed foods. This is a definition used by the NOVA classification, and it is defined as foods that have ingredients that could never be found in a kitchen or a culinary setting. So if you can't recreate it, it's ultra-processed, man-made by industrial methods and is many steps from nature. And a couple stats, 71% of grocery store foods are ultra-processed. 75% of the adolescent diet and 60% of the adult diet are ultra-processed. That is an alarming percentage. They are a perfect storm because the goal of these ultra-processed foods is that they're hyper-palatable, which keeps you coming back for more. They're cheap and they're shelf-stable. They cause dopamine to be released more like it's coming out of a fire hydrant versus a trickle. 
And dopamine released by natural foods is more of a trickle. And that's a key to finding pleasure in food without that following intense craving for more and more. Ultra processed foods are full of added sugar and industrial seed oils, GMOs, chemicals, coloring agents, texturizers, and preservatives. So why do we care? They trigger inflammation. They cause weight gain, brain fog, pain. They can disrupt our hormones and they destroy microbiomes. They can also contribute to food allergies. They're engineered by food companies to be addictive and are linked to diabetes, depression, and early death. Really, they disrupt all aspect of health. It really takes strategies and tactics to require you to swim upstream to greatly reduce the amount of these foods or maybe even eliminate them altogether. And what I mean by swimming upstream is that most of society is heading one way, but you may feel like the only fish going against the current. It definitely takes more effort at first, but it's so worth it. What's the link to autoimmune disease? That's why we are all here and all roads lead to the mitochondria. The mitochondria, if you haven't heard me talk about it before, are the powerhouse of the cell and they are linked to autoimmune and metabolic conditions. They are extremely sensitive to damage and impairment to these mitochondria leads to fatigue which, as you may be all too familiar with, is the most common symptom of poor-functioning mitochondria. It's the reason we tire more easily as we age, because a lifetime of insult and injury that we inflict on these tiny little gems. We can protect our mitochondria. Eating foods that are full of antioxidants and phytonutrients and tending to every other spoke of the habit hub every day. So that's our rest and relaxation, our movement, our connection, are good stresses like fasting, you name it. But for today's habit, we're starting with what we can avoid since the best offense is often a good defense. Avoiding foods that damage these mitochondria and then once we know what to look for, it gets a whole lot easier. In a future episode, we're going to dig into making it a habit to avoid certain ingredients that are especially common in ultra-processed foods. But today we're gonna stick with the habit that precedes all of that, which is reading the ingredient list. So we've covered the what, We've covered the why. Now let's talk a bit about the how. There are three key stages we all go through when we're talking about change, and they all start with A. There's aware, accept, and adjust. For any change, first we need to be aware that we want to make a change or that there's something that we need to change. Second is to accept that it can be hard, and this is the part where it can feel like we're swimming upstream from all the other fish in society. And last is adjust. If and when you decide you want to make a change, adjusting our thinking, our feeling, and our behavior is the key to successful change. And remember, we're not going for perfection, just intention. So let's touch on how to have it. At this portion of each episode, we're going to offer a few strategies and tools from a vast toolkit that's available, and we're just going to play with it. Some tools are going to work better for some people than others. Some are going to be better for some habits and not for others. So try them out, mix and match, and have fun experimenting. But they're all going to be science-based, from habit researchers and experts in the field, and often ones that I've used for myself and still do, and with clients I work with. There's going to be three strategies or tools that I'm going to cover today for this habit. One is the strategy of monitoring. Author Gretchen Rubin states, I, I think this summarizes it well, monitoring doesn't require action, but it often leads to action. So today's habit is just to start monitoring what's in those ingredient lists. 
once you kind of notice what's going in, it may spark some interest to start making some changes. Another strategy is the strategy of the first step. So it can be overwhelming when we start to see all the different things that we could do to improve our health and to eliminate when it comes to ingredient lists. But don't let the overwhelm stop you from getting started. The strategy of the first step highlights that we only need to worry about the first step. And after the first step, just the next step. We don't need to think about steps two through 100. The first step here may be just reading the food that already is in your kitchen or finding one product to replace, just starting somewhere. And the third one I'm going to talk about is less of a strategy, but more of a phenomenon that sometimes happens when we are talking about change. It is when someone has an epiphany or feels like they're struck by a lightning bolt and change comes pretty easy after that. An example that I can give is a smoker who gets a diagnosis of lung cancer and all of a sudden, just like that, never smokes again. So they've kind of had this epiphany that they want to make the change. I feel lucky to have been struck by what seemed like a lightning bolt when it comes to this habit in terms of reading ingredient lists. And it happened when I read The Walls Protocol, which is a book by Dr. Terry Walls, who essentially used nutrients in food and some supplements to rewrite the chemistry of her body and see a reversal of her progressive multiple sclerosis. I read the book first in 2014. And the concept that everything we were putting in our bodies was then serving as the building blocks for the new cells and the new organs and the new systems that were turning over. And the body that we have today is going to be a completely different body in 10, 15, 20 years. That struck me like a lightning bolt. And I realized that I wanted to ensure I was choosing foods that were essentially creating the cells that were going to be the healthiest that they could be. Now, if you haven't had a lightning bolt like that or an epiphany with this habit or with any others, no worries. We have all the other strategies to work with. So we're going to close with some things you can do because we want these episodes to be highly actionable. If you struggle with fatigue, if you have an autoimmune diagnosis, and if you want to use food as medicine in your life, consider if this is a habit you want to make, the habit of reading ingredient lists. Likely future habits will come from this one but it really starts with just the awareness. Don't be tempted to let your brain get overwhelmed with what follows. Just start with that first step. So maybe one day foods will have to wear an ultra-processed label. And instead of saying, oh, I'm gluten-free or I'm grain-free, we can say with confidence, no thanks, I'm eating for my mitochondria or I'm avoiding ultra-processed foods. I do share that sometimes when people say, now what exactly, what diet do you follow? And I'll try to say I'm eating for my mitochondria, which, you know, people give me a few side-eye glances. But in reality, that is what a lot of my food choices center around. I want to remind you to trust in the tiny. When we set out to take action from today, read the labels of the foods in your kitchen to start. And a few pointers. The shortest ingredient list possible is where we want to start when we're choosing new foods. So some say five, some say three, but start where you can. If it needs to be higher, Don't let that get you down. Preferably, we want ingredients that you can recognize and can pronounce. So if you don't recognize the ingredient as food, it's very unlikely that your body is going to recognize it as food either. Also, shopping the perimeter of the grocery store tends to have foods with cleaner ingredient lists. 
And avoiding foods that have health claims on the front of the package often is a good practice because it's often masking ingredient lists that are not so desirable. Start, like I said, with just one product that you really like and try to find an alternative with a cleaner or smaller or better ingredient list. And remember, steady pace wins the race. You have what you need to get started to create awareness. As one of my clients shared recently after learning about inflammatory oils, he said he now sees them everywhere. Once you see it, you can never unsee it, which can be a good thing. And it can help this become a habit, meaning that you do it without thinking before you even know it, which means it will help us save energy. And if and when you're ready to go deeper, again, don't get overwhelmed. Find a trusted source of information and take it one step at a time. If building your perfect plate with me is in your future, the link is going to be in the show notes. I'd love to be your guide. But just a reminder that we are on a mission to learn the skills of changing habits, which is often the skill of obeying ourselves and doing what we say we're going to do. And you are in the perfect place to do it. I have one last resource that can help that I'd love to share my free guide to decoding ingredient lists, and I'll put the link in the show notes to grab your copy. It gives more details on what ingredients to avoid for certain nutrition aims, a chance to practice reading labels, and some tried and true brands and products to get you started. I'd love to end with a quote from Dr. Mark Hyman. There is no such thing as junk food. There is junk and there is food. Thank you for joining me today on The Habit Hub. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Habit Hub. I am forever grateful for the time, energy, and attention you share with me. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode where I might just cover the habit your body has been waiting for. Check out www.amybeheimercoaching.com for more free resources, as well as details on how to take the information, inspiration, and insight you learned today and apply it to create autoimmune health and happiness in your life. Get in touch at amy at amybeheimercoaching.com. Special thanks to my editor, Sarah. The Habit Hub is a production of Amy Beheimer Coaching, LLC. Talk soon. Thank you.